ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to these go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutcher decided that he wanted to sit at home in his underwear eating Cheetos and ice cream, so he is phoning it in tonight. Greg, what's going on, man? Dude, uh, I would like to say to alleviate our listening audience to disabuse themselves of the horrendous picture, I am sitting on uh, on the couch. I am in underwear with other clothes on top of it. Uh, so I, that, hopefully that makes people breathe a sigh of relief. No Cheetos. But I am drinking a uh, Bell's Lager beer, Lager of the Lakes, and Ooh, uh, nice. in my air-conditioned home. And, uh, yeah, it feels pretty good. Thanks so much, dude, for flexing with my schedule today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, really excited about uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. And it's actually it's just you and me tonight, which is – I know, uh, man. It's been a while since uh, it's just been the two of us, so looking forward to that as well. Same here. Uh, but first, uh, Greg, if you want to go ahead and uh, give a word from our sponsor – yeah, Olive Tree uh, Software, Olive Tree Bible Products. Just uh, look them up, uh, Olive Tree Software. Uh, I've been, we, you know, we've been talking about them, Nathan, for uh, for some time now. I was just looking actually before we went on tonight, just to do some comparison pricing. If you're like a commentary guy, a lot of pastors are, a lot of teachers are, but just a lot of serious-minded Christians are that want to go deeper into the Word. Uh, one of my favorite popular-level commentaries is the Tyndale commentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, John Stott was the, uh, at least at one point, was um, uh, involved in that project. Uh, just some some tremendous authors, Old and New Testament, forty nine volumes in all. Uh, which, if you were to buy, I should have looked that up in book form. Uh, we're we're talking, I mean, several hundreds of dollars, getting close to a thousand. Uh, One ninety nine for all forty nine volumes. And those are the kind of books, commentaries, that often people don't sit down, you know, Nathan, and read cover to cover like right. they would a, uh, you know, a work of fiction or just a, you know, kind of daily devotional book. But they're tools. Sure. And there are tools that you can integrate with your Bible program and say, man, I want to do a study on, you know, uh, Romans. Uh, I want to go deep in Genesis. Um, and you can just put those commentaries right there. You were asking me earlier, dude, about maps. Yeah. I mean, you, you can customize it and integrate it however you want, but you're you're studying something, you know, and you're like, okay, uh, wh- where is the land of Goshen? Um, years ago, I was teaching a, uh, a class, and a guy kept asking me, I thought, where is the Atlantic Ocean uh, <laughs> in, in comparison to this? I'm like, I, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, land of Goshen. Um, still didn't know where it was. But um, this is the kind of stuff you can get literally at your fingertips. So we're very uh, thankful for our partnership uh, with Olive Tree. Check them out. Uh, put in our special promo code for uh, these go to 11, the word sustain. You'll get a cool discount that'll pop right up there in your promo window. And uh, very pumped to be working with Olive Tree. Very nice. Um, real quick, too, want to uh, let people know about our ongoing uh, contest that we're running with Honey Go Wine and Spirits. Um, don't forget that next week uh, on uh, September 6th, dude, yes. can you believe it? Summer is almost over. I know, man. It's It depresses me, dude. I love the summer. <laughs> Um, it, it's a bummer, but on the other hand, uh, you know, we have as beer enthusiasts, we have, you know, this whole slew of beer fest, basically, uh, from the month of September going into October and, uh, pretty much, uh, into like the first, second week of November, you can just, um, be looking around and hitting beer fest after beer fest after beer fest. So some good things coming in the fall too. Um, but don't forget if you retweet or repost anything we put on Twitter or Facebook, uh, you will automatically be entered into winning one free ticket from these go to 11 for the Honey Go Wine and Spirit Beer Fest. Uh, I think it's a $30 value because if you buy your tickets before the day of, it's $30, and then on the day of, it's going to be 40 So. Um, Sweet. You'll be able to see uh, Nathan, Greg, and myself there. Nathan Bartleball from Pop Culture Ninja. Um, so the three of us will be there, hanging out, drinking, enjoying some good music and good food. So don't forget anything you see that pops up from uh, the Honey Go Wine and Spirit Beer Fest on our uh, webpage or on our Twitter feed. Just go ahead and, and blast that out. So get the word out on it. Uh, Absolutely, Nathan. I love how you just kind of made it an, an unofficial meet and greet. Anybody in our mid-Atlantic area, come out to that. You're right, because I'll be there. You'll be there. Um, 
Uh, in fact, I'm going to claim it right now. Al Myers, our good friend, yeah. who doesn't even drink, but lives two minutes from there. He's going to be there because right. I said it. So, um, you know, meet, meet some of our favorite peeps. Um, come out. Scott Perry's probably going to be there. who has been on a couple of times to talk some sports with yep. us and uh, some uh, some of the voices of our little humble podcast. And uh, that was fun last year. Dude. We met Jason Judy, one of Steve's guys. Yep. Uh, just hung out, have great conversations. So, uh, yeah, I'm pumped about that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited. It's always a good time. And uh, just this past weekend, I put the list of breweries that are going to be there. So awesome list. Awesome lineup. Um, of breweries. Of course, they have gone slightly downhill since I've been there. They are having Mike's Hard Lemonade come in and do one of their booths. But, Ooh. Yeah, I know. Dude, that's a slip, man. It is. It is. But, that's right. you know, we'll, we'll forgive them. It's, we it's can, we can deal with it because of the 29 other vendors. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that'll be providing tremendous things. Hey, right. I, you know what, dude? I have to say real quick before we dive into tonight's topic. Yeah. Man, had to miss last week. Been a little crazy as summer wraps up here. You and Hartland rocked it last week. And, dude, old paths. Yeah. What a great guest. Yeah, I so missed much fun. being able to hang with you guys with him. And I hope, um, yeah, we've had some great guests. We had, uh, you know, uh, Agent Colson all the yep. week before. That was a blast. Uh, old paths, just really great insights, man. Uh, really enjoyed that guy. And, um, Hoping if he's back on in the future, I'll be around next time. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was that was such a fun cast, and um, and Old Paths did, um, you know, did say he was, uh, you know, he he had wished he uh, that you could have been on and had joined in the conversation. So hopefully, the next time you guys will, uh, you know, virtually meet. So yes, yes, I'm counting on it. Um, and then just real quick, last one before we dive into our topic. Um, we are starting our fundraising page, um, so there is something on the website. If you go to the website, next week will be the official uh, kind of kickoff um, where we will be posting that on our Facebook and Twitter account. Um, again, uh, equipment is expensive. Time is expensive. We're trying to um, keep things relatively simple. Um, so we just have two goals right now um, that if you can, please feel free to donate. If you can't, don't even worry about it. Just continue to listen. But we are looking to get a new mixing board, uh, one that we can actually put into my house so that way we'll be able to do podcasts uh, anytime, anywhere. Greg, uh, you know, like like you said, tonight you're just at home chilling out. Um, I, I don't quite have enough sophisticated technology. Oh, man, house I yet. want you to. I want you um, to. So we're hoping to do that. And then the other thing we're hoping to do is. Um, you know, it, it costs money to get your licensing for a corporation to get your 501c3. Uh, and we're hoping to be able to take some of the money that we, we raise in the next couple weeks and just get all that officially underway as well. So, um, you know, again, if you can donate, great, we'd appreciate it. You can click on the link on our website. If not, hey, great, keep listening. We love having you. Um, and don't even worry about it. Yeah, man. So, Greg. Tonight's topic, so looking forward to this one. You and I were talking offline, and this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Yes. Is yes. it wrong to lie? Oh, well, dude, I'm lying down right now when I'm talking to you, and I <laughs> – oh, wait a minute. You mean the other kind, man. The fancy word is prevaric – wait, prevarications, I think. Heard a lawyer say that one time. Your Honor, there were three prevarications in that statement. Um, yeah, and I did want to say, Nathan, quick shout out. Oh, I didn't get his permission, so I'll just say uh, one of our regular listeners, uh, Paul Z. I won't, I won't give his, his last name because I didn't get his permission, but Paul Z, who's uh, also a dude at our church, uh, he and his dear wife are uh, regular listeners, uh, I think, and uh, emailed me a while back this, this topic, and they said, hey, Greg, just out of curiosity, have you guys ever tackled, maybe I've missed it, that issue? I feel like we've brushed up against it, Nathan. It maybe made incidental reference. Sure. But uh, is it, maybe one way to say it is lying always wrong. Is there ever such a thing as a non-sinful lie? Uh, there's a lot of ways you could come at this, but yeah, eager to uh, eager to jump in on this one tonight. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I I remember the first time that I uh, encountered this this topic, this question. I was in school, and you know, the teachers um, 
you know, very, very adamantly, uh, you know, saying, yes, it's, it's always wrong to lie. You should never lie. Um, you should always tell the truth. Uh, it doesn't matter what the situation is, what's going on. You should always be honest, always be truthful. Um, uh, and they would, you know, always furnish, uh, some story from somewhere where, you know, the person lied and it didn't turn out so well. And the right, person right. told the truth, even if it was in a life or death situation and it ended up, you know, working out, um, better than they could have ever imagined. Um, and then I remember talking with my pastor from back home, uh, about this and, and he and I, uh, just started talking. He was like, you know, I, I feel a little differently on that. I don't think the Bible, uh, strongly, you know, I, I, I don't think it's forbidden anywhere biblically, mm-hmm. uh, to lie. And he said, uh, for my part, my conviction is if the lie, uh, if what you're saying really doesn't concern the parties at hand, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, I have no problem with it. So, Interesting. um, you know, his take was, you know, if, if you are, um, out on the street, you know, and talking to someone and, you know, they're asking you questions and, you know, for whatever reason you're feeling very uncomfortable with what they're talking about or, or saying or doing, you know, yeah, you can, you can go ahead and lie. You know what? I, I've really, I've got to go. I, you know, I've got to be somewhere else. Of course, in our everyday lives, we, we lie about certain things all the time, um, in, in ways that we, you know, don't necessarily want to call it quote unquote lying, but, you know, somebody asks you how they look, and instead of being totally honest with them, uh, sometimes it's like, "Oh yeah, that's a <laughs> great dress you're wearing today." Dude, dude, I have to. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm sure many of our listeners have seen. It's been a year or two since I've seen it, but the Geico uh, Honest Abe yeah. commercial, <laughs> dude, where it's like, you know, um, did Honest Abe really never lie or something? And it's Mary Todd. Lincoln that comes into the, the bedroom and she's wearing a dress. Does this, does this dress make my butt look big? And you see him in agony. Oh, oh, oh. And then finally he, he holds his fingers up just a half inch apart. And she storms out of the room. I love it, dude. It's, that, that is a, is a great example. Um, so, dude, but you never told me your home pastor was a uh, Bible-denying heretic. That, uh, <laughs> that, that, that explains a lot, Nathan, about your spiritual formation. Doesn't it? All right. <laughs> and then, man, you went out of the frying pan into the fire. I was going to say, and then I met you. you. Yeah. <laughs> dude, we got to get you to a good pastor, man, one of these days that can, that can guide you in the straight and narrow. But um, that's interesting, dude. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would say, Nathan, to me – uh, first time I ever had serious, well, let me back up. I remember when I learned, of course, about, uh, Nazi Germany, and, yeah. and, you know, the diary of Anne Frank, it, it dawning in my mind, it, even maybe even before I was a believer, kind of knowing in general, lying is viewed as obviously something that's typically deceptive, potentially harmful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, advancing one's own self-interest, these things. So then thinking, well, there's a case where, um, you know, if you were harboring um, uh, innocent people, Jewish folks, uh, and, you know, the SS is at your doorstep, uh, is, it, is it wrong? I remember thinking about that. And then how fascinating that there's a book in the Bible like Joshua mm-hmm. that has a story of Rahab the prostitute harboring the spies um, that come into the land, of course, to, uh, uh, scout it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when, uh, when the townspeople at Jericho come to her doorstep, of course, she says they're not here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, as you know, I preached through Joshua, as you know, Nathan, a year ago, and, uh, I didn't make that the main point of the sermon because i don't think it's the main point of the text right but you can't deny there is something has to be addressed there and i remember using dale ralph davis's commentary shout out to him since he's been one of our dear guests yeah um has a little excursus on that topic as well it's you can't come to that story and not ask that question because it seems right that rahab is commended for her faith Mm -hmm. it seems that she handles the situation in a way that we would say, well, 
let me give my cards. I would say that is divinely sanctioned. Yeah. Um, but isn't that technically lying? So it, it a lot of roads here, Nathan. And I know you had said something offline that we've never really talked about it in depth. That you suspect we probably come at this from a similar uh, point of view, which I bet we do. So you might you might go a little devil's advocate at times. Yep. Tonight yep. We'll, we'll 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 see where this goes. Yeah. So, um, Greg, you. Um I believe it was last year when you preached on Rahab, you gave two really great quotes, one from Calvin, one from Luther. Oh, yeah. I think you have those again tonight. I do. Um, I do. So would you mind just reading those real quick for us? Yeah, man. It really illustrates, Nathan, the difference uh, between two what we would consider towering giants, right, of church history, uh, Bible commentators, history of biblical interpretation. Um John Calvin, I, I see so much personality, uh, the little bit I know about Calvin from the one or two books of his life I've read, same with Luther, know a little more about Luther because more fascinating character. This is what Calvin said about Rahab's uh, lie or Rahab's <laughs> words, might be a better <laughs> way to put it. He said, as to the falsehood, we must admit that though it was done for a good purpose, it was not free from fault. For those who hold what is called a dutiful lie to be altogether excusable do not sufficiently consider how precious truth is in the sight of God. Therefore, although our purpose be to assist our brethren, it can never be lawful to lie because that cannot be right, which is contrary to the nature of God, and God is true. So that was Calvin's take, where he's ba- – now, there's a lot more he says in that uh, that section on Rahab's words but if you read them closely he basically seems to say her faith is to be commended but uh, it, it, almost as if she had trusted god perhaps he would have worked out something else yeah uh, that she didn't have to rely on the falsehood so that was calvin's take mm-hmm. uh luther's take a little little more succinct a good hearty lie for the sake of the good and for the christian church a lie in case of necessity, a useful lie. So a good, hearty lie for the benefit of the church. Uh, I'll get off speaker. Now, that was Luther's uh, take, which I'll tell you, Nathan, okay, uh, full disclosure here. Lisa and I are illustrated by those two quotes. I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm the kind of guy, and I hope I'm not destroying my pastoral credibility in saying this. We drive home, uh, you know, from uh, Mickey D's, yeah. And we've gotten some iced teas or a shake or something, and we're all the way home. And Lisa says, "Oh my word, they gave us two dollars too much change." I don't ever feel compelled to get back in the car and return it. Just yeah. put it out there for you. <laughs> I'm sort of like, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm sure there's many times where uh, I've paid an extra dollar or two, um, and it sort of works out in the wash. I can roll like that now i actually don't do that because lisa's conscience is troubled by it okay so normally i get back in the car yeah for but not because i feel this burning desire to do it but lisa uh it just bothers her and i i get that so we often kind of tease each other that we come at even this issue maybe one's a little more lutheran Right. That would, of course, be me as I'm drinking my <laughs> delicious ale, and uh, she's a little more Calvin as she's uh, burning heretics in uh, – ge- no, no, that's something different. <laughs> we'll, we'll cover that on another podcast. Um, so it's a um, – it, it, it's, it's an interesting perspective there. You've got two commentators, which I think illustrates this, this issue. And let me say right out, Nathan, there are clear scriptures that say the Lord hates lying lips. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, bearing false witness, which I think is a little more specific than what we would call general lying, but I don't even need to get in, in uh, uh, into that now. Right. Um, I mean, we have to take into account those verses. Certainly, God is a God of truth. He loves the truth. Yeah. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. So I definitely think it's not something I'm just trying to be casually dismissive of when I appeal to those two guys and side more with Luther. Sure. Um, I think, Nathan, just to, to put it out there, um, I'm, I'm indebted to uh, one of my seminary profs, who I actually mentioned Sunday as well, 
Dr. Robert Vinoy, mm-hmm. who uh, dealt with this issue in a class. And he, he was sort of the uh, final persuader for me. Here's what I'll say, Nathan. I'll nuance it a little bit even more than your pastor did. I think it's a little semantical, uh-huh. um, and that's okay. He might have just said it differently than I would, and that's fine. I would say this. Yes, lying is always wrong. Mm-hmm. In that, the verses that I just mentioned um, speak of lying in a condemning way. So I, I feel like I can't dodge that. Mm-hmm. Then I come right along behind that and say, however, I believe that the definition of a lie must include a motive for pure selfish gain or advancement. Mm. I think when the Bible condemns lying, that's what it's talking about. Because if lying simply means telling a falsehood, then Rahab lied and Rahab should not be commended for her faith. I think it's a little, I'm going to be honest, disingenuous of Calvin to say, well, you commend her on her faith, but not what she did when (laughs) they seem inextricably tied up together. Right. Um, and, and I think the one is the root, one is the fruit. And I think they're just th- th- that parses it a little more than I'm comfortable with um, to say her faith was commendable, but her action wasn't. Uh, and I think you start importing things in the text that aren't there. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. I, I think a lie in the truest sense that condemn worthy lie um, includes a desire to advance the self or uh, disadvantage someone else for the purpose of your own selfish gain. Mm. And to me, uh, that's when I would say, yes, I'm with you. Lying is wrong. Mm-hmm. I think what Rahab did, uh, what those who protected, uh, what those who uh, protected Jews in Nazi Germany did, I stand gladly behind them and say, go for it, my friend. Yeah, You are 100% in the right. That's what I would say. Okay. Well, uh, let me um, let me set up this story to kind of throw out a uh, just a counterpoint. This is something that I heard uh, Ravi Zacharias uh, talk about uh, years. I mean, I, I think he's been telling this story for years because I think uh, this story originated from um, when he was when he was pastoring. Um, he was in uh, China or Vietnam or something like that, and there mm-hmm. was. Um, you know, there was a, there was a cave in, there was a collapse. And so he had to be evacuated from, uh, from the country immediately because communism was coming in a pastor friend that he'd been working closely with had been, uh, taken hostage, held hostage for years, finally was able to get a hold of Ravi again and tell him the story of his escape, um, and and there's a, there's a whole lot of backstory to all this, but I'm just going to try to simplify it for the sake of the podcast. Essentially what happened was he got out with a few other prisoners and they were able to take refuge somewhere and soldiers came out looking for them. So the people that were um, harboring them had just uh, – you know the, the soldiers came knocking on the door. They said, no, they're not here. Um, you know, we, we don't know where they are. You know, check down the street. So the soldiers left and there was this kind of like twinge of, of guilt for lying. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they had talked about it with the people that they were harboring and they just decided that if these soldiers came back, they were just, they were going to tell them the truth and whatever the consequences were, they were soldiers came back. Um, and they said, look, we know you're harboring Christians here. Mm. Um, and we, you know, we know they're trying to escape. Tell us now. And they said, yes, here they are. And the soldiers basically looked at them and said, we want to escape with you. It turns out that uh, the way that they were going to be escaping was on some kind of small raft uh, on on the sea, getting to another um, island or, or another area where they, you know, where they had religious freedom and they weren't going to have to worry about being chased anymore. Huge storm rolls up that night. And these two soldiers have, um, uh, water experience, you know, crafting boats and things like that, or navigating boats in waters, in rough seas, and are able to navigate them to the land 
where they are, you know, able to escape and, and, you know, get on with their lives and preaching the gospel and all that. Yeah. Again, very condensed story throughout a whole thing of time. But the one thing that stuck with me when I heard that was, you know, everyone in that group agreed that if it wasn't for the help of these two soldiers Mm. and if it wasn't for them being honest and saying, yes, we, we are, you know, Christians, we have escaped. Um, they would not have made it safely across the water, um, to where they were going. Sure. Um, sure. And so just kind of throwing that out there to you, great. What do you think about stories like that? Because, um, I've heard stories again, I've, heard that story that one particularly comes from Ravi Zacharias I've heard similar stories that did come out of uh Nazi Germany uh, right where you know the soldiers were coming in they were looking you know looking for people who had escaped or looking to round up Jews and you know the people instead of lying decided hey we're we're just we're going to be honest. We're going to accept the consequences, whatever they may be. And the soldiers were actually able to help them in a way that they would not have received had they lied and tried to do it on their own. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on that? No, it's uh, it's good. And I, I could see, Nathan, how advocates of um, always truth-telling, which sounds strange to say right. I'm not an advocate of. I, I wish there was some other term. I'm against telling the truth. Um, but advocates of, you know, a lie is a lie is a lie might be the way to say it. Sure. I could see would use that story and say, see, had they... And I would say, look, there's no doubt as that story unfolds, the full disclosure, the truth-telling uh, advantaged them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could say God ultimately used it and it's sort of the Calvin take. When you tell the truth, he'll take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be a situation, Nathan, to me that, that is similar to the – the. Uh, I know it makes people uncomfortable to talk about situational ethics. Uh, one person might mean something by that that I would passionately disagree with. Yeah. Uh, as if God doesn't have a constant uh, standard on something. Uh, I Obviously, I would reject that out of hand. Right. Uh, of course he does. But – I mean situational application of wisdom the way Proverbs speaks of. Sure. Uh, how, you know, we're in, in one place, uh, you know, we're told you, you don't answer a fool. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's sort of the casting your pearls before swine principle. Uh, yet in the very next breath, there are times you do answer a fool and you're required to. Yeah. So it's like, well, which is it? Well, it really does depend. Right. I might say, Nathan, obviously these issues are, are nuanced. They're complex. Um, I think it would be probably the exception mm-hmm. that you, you go Rahab. Um, you know, the stories that you just uh, told her are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, because uh, those uh, people at first did not tell the truth. Uh, and then there was sort of a uh, second development. But mm-hmm. I, I, I would say, yes, I, I, one of the scenes I'm always moved by every year, you know, we uh, on our Christmas episode last year uh, with Nathan Bartleball, we talked about uh, great Christmas movies. We talked about a Christmas story. Yeah. Um, I remember, wow, how is the mom in that going to handle that scene when Ralphie beats up uh, – what was the guy's name? Scott Farkas or whatever. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the bully. The bully. Yeah, yep. he, he had yellow eyes. I swear he had yellow eyes. And, uh, you know, he beats him up and he's cussing like a sailor. Rock him, shock him. You know, right. he's punching the kid <laughs> in the face. And then it's such a moving scene. He starts crying. The mother takes him home. And, you know, the, the little brother's like, daddy's going to kill Ralphie. Um, and if you remember in that scene, she does tell him the truth. Now, she does it in a very winsome way, mm-hmm. kind of, a, oh, you know, honey, boys will be boys, how sometimes they have a fight, but it's all worked out. And, of course, the kid says something special happened right there. Um, you know, I bonded with my mom in a way. It's a cool story because she did tell the truth. Right. Um, and she did it, though, in a very wise, um, appropriate way that didn't get the father in a reactionary knee-jerk posture where, uh, you know, he harmed Ralphie or something. So I I think um, it's hard to say, Nathan. I don't know what the special circumstances would be, but I I think there are times – let me give you a a more practical example. You had mentioned earlier 
um, you know, I, I'll be honest, Nathan, there's nothing that there are some personality types I know who just are the type of person if somebody gets a dramatically different haircut. Yeah. You know, that, oh, I, I'm not going to tell them I like it if I don't like it. And I'm like, well, good for you. You know, wow. I mean, just that's right. What a gospel soldier. It's almost <laughs> like this blind loyalty to a principle. And I, I know a few people like that. And I, I just honestly would say somebody, this is how I feel, gets a dramatic haircut. Yeah. Like probably a woman. There's nothing I can do on my hair that's dramatic. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's noticeably different. I don't honestly know what benefit there is of me saying, mm, well, yeah, how long do you think it'll take to grow back the way it was? <laughs> uh, well, I'm just being truthful. I, right, I didn't right. insult her. I'm being honest. Honestly, Nathan, to me, to uh, like the, oh, you got a new haircut. Well, I, I like it. That's it, it, kind of striking. It shows some Christians I've heard have endless ethical debates about this. Yeah. And I guess I, that's how I feel. I, yeah. I would say in that case, here's a, a place where me saying something I don't entirely feel or believe, yeah. um, I see in no way advances anything for me, Sure, but it might for her. Sure. Uh, the, what, she might hate it anyway, and it's a way of encouraging her and, and building her up. That's just how I feel. Right. And I, I'm telling you my conscience, and I do want to respect the conscience here. Right. Um, my conscience is settled on that issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, now th- let me tell you, Nathan, where this gets dangerous. Yeah, um, I've counseled men through the years who have been unfaithful to their wives. You could see how my uh, view can be abused. Yes, yep. because naturally, well, you know, I'm not gonna tell her about my infidelity um, because it would hurt her too much. Um, and what they would say is just, just like you're saying, Greg, when I heard you do that podcast with, uh, Nathan last year, um, you know, uh, this, this is, I'm, I'm putting my wife's emotional state ahead of anything. You could, you could play that off. Like I'm not, I'm being selfless by not telling. Right. And I, I would say, I think there's a new Testament word for that. I think it's, uh, something like Loda Crapola, um, (laughs) is, is what it is in the Greek. I mean, on that case, all you're doing is compounding devastating sin yeah. um, with, in my self-protection. I don't buy this chivalrous, I'm going to protect my wife from the harm, because the time to have that motivation was before the adultery. Right, um, right. So it, it can be a very uh, abused um stance that I'm taking. Yeah. Uh, Cause you can always find a way to say, well, I'm thinking of the benefit of the other person. Sure, and sure. I'd say, no, you're not. You're thinking, man, I feel better. I confessed it to my pastor. Um, and uh, now I would just say on that, you can, there is no way you can function in that relationship in a healthy way. If that is never disclosed, there, there's no way. Sure. Um, there's another party that you have brought into your marriage the one flesh relationship has been significantly uh, sullied, um, and it it has to be shared. Right. And then maybe grace, forgiveness, restoration can occur. Maybe as yeah. it has in in some cases. We we both know of some people, Nathan, where that yeah has worked in some places where where it hasn't. Right. So uh, I would say, yeah, I, I urge caution with what I'm suggesting here. Yeah. Um, and say. Uh, yeah, I mean, the example of the haircut is rather different than the example of <laughs> right. a man's infidelity. Right, right. You know? and, and I just really, really believe that. Now, the other thing I would say to nuance, I do think we're not serving a friend if they're honestly soliciting our input. Yes. Um, usually that's before a decision is made. Uh, the haircut example, the decision's made. <laughs> And this, this gal's got to live with something she might hate yeah. for a month, you know, and, and that's one thing. I do think, say, um, a person says, hey, I'm going to give this speech tomorrow. Can I practice it on you? Because I really respect your opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if you think it's a bad speech um, 
and they have come to you for input, uh, you should give it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that would be, you're, you're not doing any favor when the person is seeking genuine constructive criticism and you're afraid, you're afraid to give it. Yeah. Uh, so again, I'm trying to balance this. I think, sure. again, Nathan, I think the relationship always trumps everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I would, um, I would definitely, uh, agree with that. And it's interesting because I, I take a different take when people ask my opinion uh-huh. about something. Um, I feel like I, I'm just, I'm the type of person that I am. If, if you know me, or even if you don't know me, I am just very blunt and to the point. That's, uh-huh. sure. that's who I am. And so for me, if anyone is asking my thoughts on anything, uh, whether I know you or don't know you, I'm going to tell you just honestly. And, and to, to tell you the truth, it has nothing to do with a uh, an innate, you know, biblical theology on it. It's just that is my personality. Sure. If I'm your friend, then I'm assuming the reason you're asking me is because you you want to hear what I have to say. You right. Know, whether it's uh, whether it's good, bad, or, or indifferent, you want to hear that. And if you're not my friend, then you're stupid for asking me, and I'm going to tell you what I think. Um, you know, and yeah. so to me, that's where that's where the relationship, that's where I view the relationship component of things. You know, right. where it, you know, I, I I feel like I'm I, I don't have a wide breadth of friends, but I I do have uh, very close friends. Um, so I feel like for me, if my friends, you know, if one of them goes out and gets a haircut or does this or does that, you know, and they're like, Oh, what do you think? Um, you know, I feel perfectly honest and comfortable being like, yeah, I, 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 no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of, you know, don't really like it. And most of the time, uh, those people who know me, they'll laugh, you know, because they know I'm going to give my opinion. Um, but I also feel like they know it's strictly my opinion you know um i've had i've had strangers and it's funny because i've had strangers come up and ask my opinion of things before when you work in a liquor store people almost treat you like a bartender sometimes of course yes yeah you're the resident psychologist exactly and so you know i had um i had somebody who came in and i was checking their id this was a younger um i mean you know mid to late twenties, maybe early thirties. And she had colored her hair. Mm -hmm. She's clearly standing there with some guy. I don't know if it's like, you know, first blind date, boyfriend, husband, whatever it is, but uh, I'm looking at her ID and her hair is, you know, obviously different. She's like, which do you think look better on me? The dark hair or the light hair? Mm -hmm. And she's asking me this. And, you know, I'm like, uh, well, personally, I think you look better. And I I don't remember which one I said, but then I just nuanced and I said, but my opinion really doesn't matter. It's, it's this guy's that you're with. Right. Um, Right. You know, and, and she was like, oh yeah. And then she turned to him and was like, what do you think? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the guy kind of shot me and looked like, gee, thanks buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks dude. Thanks. I was going to dodge this, uh, this sticky wicked for sure. Yeah, well, but see, there's there's an example. Again, the relationship conditions the interactions. Yes, uh, because there are, and I that is true, Nathan. I know you. You are a blunt person, and you also can. You are a person capable of having people be blunt back to you. Yeah, uh, I was just telling somebody the other day that uh, the personality type that that for whatever reason gets my coat more than anything. You know, uh, is the guy that comes in and says, I tell it like it is. I, I, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I want you to tell me this. And, and, and they're kind of boisterous and loud, and they certainly do. I always feel like it's a one-way street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that there's that, that – because there are those, I think, Nathan, that are more like you. Hey, tell me bluntly. I'll tell you bluntly. Let you save some time. Right. Um, and it goes both ways. And I think that's perfectly fine. But there is that personality type, of course, that uh, – thinks they're that way, but you find out the first time you speak to them even remotely like they've spoken to you, um, whoa, yeah. you know, they, they shut that door quickly and you think, wait a minute, I thought you liked this, but right. I think there's some uh, self kind of deception going on there. And um, it, it's interesting, Nathan, what this leads to. It connects to so many other issues. I think personality mm-hmm. is right. I would not be surprised if even in those two commentators, Calvin and Luther, mm-hmm. you've got personality differences at work there. Um, 
and the way people approach things, uh, what people value. I think those things should be factored in. I often think we don't give enough of a tip of our hat to personality um, in terms of how these things how these things play out. So just to be clear again, I'm not advocating lying in the way people think of right, it, but I, right. I, I am never going to say that uh, you must quote unquote tell the truth in, in every way. Or Nathan, let me give you this uh, example. This has happened in, um, in, in, in sort of pastoral settings before. There are times where I, might need to disinvite somebody from a position or uh, a leadership issue. And, and, and let me tell you what's going on here. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the number one reason is this person, kind of to what I just said, is completely unaware mm-hmm. uh, of themselves and how they're getting in the way. Um, and I may determine, okay, this person... I could get into an endless discussion over something that they're going to fight back on. Right. Um, and in other words, uh, there may be three or four other reasons after the main reason yeah. why they shouldn't be serving in this role at this particular time. Uh, and it may be that, man, I look at them and say, man, the guy's got X amount of kids. I know for a fact his wife has said she wishes that he was home more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a legitimate reason. It, it's probably not the main reason. Right. Uh, and then after that, there might be a reason. Hey, I know he's just got, he, you know, he's, he just began a new job two weeks ago. Uh, I know for a fact that, uh, you know, this is taking a lot of his time, etc. I'll give you my view on this. Um, and again, it depends on the person and the situation. It sure. really does. Sure. There are times where I think it's wise to, um, okay, I, I think of it as three tiers. There's tier number one. Yep. Yeah, which I mentioned the main problem is this guy's persona. Right. He's completely the wrong guy for the job. Right. And then there's tier number two, his family situation. Tier number three, his job situation. There are times where I am comfortable having the meeting and going over tier number two and tier number three. And if tier number two and tier number three lead to the desired outcome, enough said. Yeah. That's, that's how I'll approach it. I, the reason I say it depends... There are times the Holy Spirit may be leading, the scriptures might be declaring it, the council of the church might be pushing, okay, I've got to deal with tier one. There's yeah. there's no way around it. So I'm not at all saying you always dodge tier number one. Sure. But there might be times it's okay. Sure. You know, like, I mean, say you're, you're getting fired up to confront this person and say why they should no longer be serving on this committee or should no longer be in a particular role. And as soon as they meet you at the door... They say, you know what? I'm not going to be able to serve on this anymore because I feel like I'm too busy. Yeah. I mean, maybe, dude. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Um, smile, pray with a guy, go out, get a cup of coffee, and thank them for their service. And uh, maybe the Lord just said, hey, that's one. You don't have right. to fall on that hand grenade, right. uh, on hand grenade tonight. But, Nathan, I, I do, I've shared that with some people that think that's terrible because they would say, isn't that manipulation? Um. And I say to me to manipulate means you're you are lying. Right. You're 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 saying things that aren't true. I I think there is sometimes a careful application that wisdom calls for. Yeah. On uh, how to approach something and with whom in the moment. Yeah. You know, Greg, it's interesting that you say that because I almost view that as uh, what Samuel did when he went to anoint David. Mm hmm. Um, you know, Saul is at this point before, before, you know, Samuel goes to anoint David, Saul is, you know, kind of on that upswing of the, um, you know, just losing his mind, losing his, um, uh, you know, uh, sweetness before God. And just, you know, he's really, he's, he's taking that dramatic turn and, and God decides that he's had enough. He's going to anoint someone else. Of course, we know David doesn't actually become King for years later, sure. but he's going to anoint someone else. And he goes to Samuel and says, I want you to, to, to basically go anoint the new King. Mm-hmm. And Samuel says, uh, well, if I do that, Saul's basically going to kill me, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, he doesn't, he, he doesn't want a new king. Sure. Um, he wants to remain king. And of course I'm paraphrasing here. Um, and God says, all right, well then go, go and make sacrifices. 
And so God, you know, tells Samuel, all right, you're going to be going in. You're going to be coming into the public square. People are going to be asking what you're doing there. Simply tell them you're going to be making sacrifices and, mm-hmm. and you're going to be. That's, yes. that's what you're going to be doing. But your first primary role is you are going to be anointing the new king. Dude, that is an excellent example, Nathan. Excellent example. And I got to tell you, dude, that'll, I wish this wasn't recorded. Because I would take credit for it, um, and as you know, Nathan, say that I told you this. That's right. Podcast. So let's take that out. Let, let's just go back and reverse it, that, right? Uh, yeah. No, that is that is a an excellent episode where uh, I mean, and to to furnish this, there there's there are there are often multiple reasons, right, why mm-hmm. a person is somewhere at the same time, and it may not be the wisest course of action, right, yeah. to share every single reason. Yeah. Um, you know, I've okay along those lines of your Samuel example, uh, at my former church, um, one night, uh, we heard a tip from another parent that there was, a uh, an adult there that was loosely associated with one of the kids in our youth group, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a uncle, a distant cousin. I, I can't remember the exact, the exact connection, but, um, you know, I, I got word that that this person was there, hadn't done anything, had not done anything wrong. So, of course, I show up because I want to make sure that everything is fine. Right. Um, and this was a, a an event I normally would not have gone, gone to. It was led by other people. Um, but I went. Natu- oh, Greg, yeah, what are you doing here? It's Saturday night, too. I, I, I know you're preaching tomorrow. You're not normally at these things. And uh, what, what am I going to say? Right. Well, that dude over there uh, is a little bit suspicious, yeah. And I, didn't, I need to make sure his intentions are good. For one, if the guy is on the up and up, I've just created an air of suspicion that's unfair to him. Yep. Uh, I might be treated. Uh, so I thought, okay, hey, when I'm there, I do interact with the kids. Love the kids. It's good to see him. Mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going, Pastor Greg? How's it going? I thought, I thought it'd be cool to kind of just, uh, you know, talk to the kids a little bit and hang out here for a while. It's true. Right. But it wasn't my main reason. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, that that's, you know, what, well, you're lying because the reason you came there is because that guy over there in the in, in the brown jacket. You know, right. is, <laughs> we're not sure of this guy's intentions. Um, and we don't want to call attention to those things. So, yeah, that those things happen on a regular basis. And um I do think, uh, Nathan, sometimes uh, I'm using all my – I'm doing the typical past thing. At my old church. At right, my old right, church. Right. At my old church. <laughs> but these are truly at my former church. When I candidated uh, at that church in 97, uh, Dave Shive, uh, at the time, just he and the elders knew I was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of made an in- incognito visit on a Sunday morning. They said, you know, you can come, sit through the worship service, uh, and then afterwards have lunch with the elders and – know, uh, some other folks and, and meet them. That was the beginning of the process. And one dude there named Richard, um, just really uh, locked his attention on me and Lisa, mm-hmm. you know, and was like, uh, Hey, you know, how are you guys? And you know, where are you from? Well, we were living in Pennsylvania at the time. Uh, and you know, we were one state away and said, Oh, Pennsylvania, really? What are you doing here all the way from Pennsylvania? And I would say, oh, well, actually, my family lives in this area. Oh, really? In Catonsville? No, in Parkville. It's 30 minutes away the other side of town. But, um, oh, well, how did you know this church? Well, I, I know Dave Shive. True. Oh, how do you know Dave Shive? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> this guy must have been a little suspicious. He asked so many questions that finally Lisa, and again, her personality, said, oh, you know what, Richard? Um, actually... We're here because uh, Greg's candidating for the position that's open, and I'm not sure that they wanted everybody to know that quite yet. And you know, and then Lisa was nervous because uh, he was very cool. But oh, okay, okay, it seemed to answer all of his questions. Right. And then we immediately told Dave Shive after the service, like she goes, "Oh, I'm so sorry." You know, <laughs> she's thinking she just jeopardized my job and all this. Um, just said it got to the point where I almost felt like we were just lying. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause we're just artful dodge, artful dodge, artful right. dodge. So right. there's an example where eventually you might say, Hey man, I got, yeah. I got to tell you what's going on. Here. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, 
you know, Greg, if we could, um, because um, we're actually th- this podcast has gone on. Uh, we're, <laughs> Feels we're like on, five minutes. I man. know, has, doesn't it? This is um, well. I told you this is just one of my favorite topics. Me too. Um, but if we could just talk about some of the key verses that people will. Uh, you know, people will bring up because to me, some of the ones that people will throw at me, I I look at and I'm like, okay, I, I can agree, but I don't think you're quite taking that in the context in which it's said. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think the biggest one, the one that the one that I focus mostly on is is Christ's words, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Yeah. Um, and people will you know just hammer that to death. Well, Christ is the truth. Christ is the truth. I I agree. I would not say he's not, but can we also finish the rest of that statement there? Mm-hmm. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. I believe firmly within the context of what Christ is saying there that he's referring to eternal life. Mm-hmm. I am the way that you get to God. The truth is I am the way that you get to God and you find eternal life through me. I believe that that phrasing is all within the context of eternal life mm-hmm. of heaven. And again, I don't want people to misunderstand because I know I'm going to get an email saying you don't believe Christ is the truth. No, I do. I believe mm-hmm. he's the truth, but I also believe that there is a context and what he's saying within the context of why he's saying those things is important and we can't we can't let those things go. Oh, dude, 100% because if if people just appeal to the fact well Christ is the truth so what they're really saying, Christ is the truth, therefore, if you're harboring spies and somebody comes... In other words, you have to start adding a lot of deductive uh, reasoning to that statement. Right. In other words, yes, Christ is the truth. That's that's a separate matter in many ways. Uh, and obviously, in the context of John 14, it is a, a Christocentric statement of, of the many I am statements in John's gospel... Um, which is John's purpose, of course, to present him mm-hmm. as the Son of God, that by believing we'd have life in his name. So that statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, speaks of the absolute embodiment, you're right, of eternal life residing in Jesus Christ and no one else, mm-hmm. which which implies all other uh, faiths that claim to be legitimate uh, ways of getting right with God are false. Right. Um, you know, all other paths are false. Um, oh, at Absolutely, dude. And, and 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 since you mentioned that, this oh wow, dude, you talk about emails. <laughs> what do we do with the fact that Jesus instructs his disciples in the early years, even demonic forces, tell no one, yeah, that he is the Christ yet. Uh, what? Yeah. Well, that would be lying, uh, right? I mean, that's the argument you could make. There is, in the Gospels, a time where I believe the Father wanted that to be revealed, yes. chiefly in connection with his, what I, what I would view as the arrest, death, resurrection event, yes. uh, to hyphenate all those things a hundred times like Piper does, um, <laughs> hyphenate away, but to take that event that that is when the claim is to be manifest, yes. uh, you know, uh, to the world. But let's be honest, dude, Christ is at times elusive, right. cryptic about this. Is he lying? No, there is a time where this is to be fully manifested, yeah. what's often called the Messianic secret. Um, and it's, it's not as cut and dried as just he's walking around, uh, day one, telling every person he meets, right. I'm the Messiah, the Son of God, come follow me. It, it plays out a little differently. Right. Well, and let's be honest, too. I mean, if we're going to look at that statement and its logical outcome, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if he's the life, that means there's never a time where it's appropriate to take a life. Right. Right. Uh, and we clearly know that's not true because God's righteous judgment is, um, has taken many lives all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, church history. It, and and we need to call it what it is. It is God's righteous judgment. Right. He has taken a life. So does that mean that uh, if he's the life, then, then then what do we do with that? Yeah, I see what you're doing there, Nathan, because it's almost like, well, he's the truth, so we don't lie. He's the life, so we, we there's never a reason to kill. Uh, he's the way, so uh, we should never sit down. 
Right. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. You, what, what you're showing is the jump is is not appropriate. Yeah. Uh, just because I've had people think, well, Jesus is the truth. You must that must not captivate you. It must not mean much to you. It's, it's everything. It's my life. It's my identity. Of right. course, it does. But this is a this is an issue that is several levels removed. Yeah. Uh, from a Christocentric statement like that. Right. And and I think too that that in that there there's a complexity to to the truth. There's an art to, uh, you know, like you were saying, uh, so, so in wisdom, when do we reveal the full truth? Because let's, let's be honest, God is not going to reveal the full truth about everyone, uh, about his son to everyone until mm-hmm. the final day of judgment. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that God is deceiving everyone? Because as reformed believers, we know that it's only in God's revelation that someone will come to to know his son. Sure. So if God is not doing that, so does that mean that God is deceiving right. all those people? Right. I, I mean, the the conclusion is, well, if he's not revealing himself, then then to an extent there is a there is something going on that I think we need to readjust our view of what lying and deception are. And I and I think we need to be careful because like you said earlier, Greg, that can be taken to, to a dangerous level where, where it is sin. But I think we need to, to rethink our views on our, all right, where is this right? Where is this wrong? It's like, it's like genocide. You yeah. know, we, for, for the longest time, I remember thinking all genocides wrong. And then I remember God commanding the Israelites to go into nations mm-hmm. and, and basically commit genocide. Boy, there's a podcast topic. I dude. know. Uh, no, without, and, without and getting should, into that, um, no, no. But we should tackle that at some point. Yes. Yeah, you know, I mean, so so if a righteous and holy God is commanding His people to do this, that must mean that what I understand as genocide is not holy evil. There is the million dollar question, Nathan. I think what you just said. We have to, so much of the time when these ethical issues emerge in Christian conversation. We, I think we have to spend almost 90% of the time defining terms. Yeah. We can't just take always common vernacular terms and immediately just take off running because we, we, you're right. You run it again. I think this lying issue, uh, again, Nathan, uh, this seems minor, but press this with me a little bit sports. Yeah. Um, a quarterback, Often uh, does a, uh, you know, he, he pumps two or three times before he throws. Mm-hmm. What is that? He's trying to throw off the uh, the cornerback on the left side of the field. Mm-hmm. So he makes a move uh, to that wide receiver mm-hmm. so that the, uh, the guy running the slot route can get open another step. I mean, there's deception in sports yeah. all the time. A pitcher fakes like he's going to throw over to first, might just step off the mound. But it's to you know, but he's not doing that. Oh, but but you know, he shouldn't do that. Right. People now, this is really tricky because uh, certain types would say, "Well, you shouldn't do this." But uh, playing poker, Texas yeah. Hold'em, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I've actually met people. I, I won't even do. I don't have a problem with cards, or something, but you have to lie to, to play poker. You have to bluff, and that's wrong. <laughs> Come on, dude! <laughs> it's the strategy of the game. That's right. what makes it fun. Right. Me and my brother lied playing Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, if, 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 you know, there's a way to bluff there. Yeah. So in a sense, you're right. We say, well, let, let's be very careful what we're talking about. Yeah. So I would say, how does the man who is cheating on his wife mm-hmm. and living a, a double life differ from Rahab harboring the spies? Yeah. Um, how does the, the, the person who is um, – you know, defrauding his company. Um, you know what I mean? And yeah. saying, I don't know why this money from uh, accounts receivable isn't coming in properly. I, right. I, I don't know why. Well, it's because he's pocketing, you know, 20% right. of it whenever he can. Uh, how does that differ? From the guy uh, who with the, finds 20 bucks on the street. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've known some people. I, find 20, <laughs> I can't do it. That's somebody else's. I'm like, well, yeah, it's mine. It is somebody <laughs> else's. Uh, so let me let me have that because uh, that guy's never coming back to claim it. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, nuance, complexity, and should just have more conversations on these things. Yeah, dude, this was this was fun. I know, wasn't it? 
This was great. So, uh, yeah. so glad we were able to do this, Greg, uh, even though it was, uh, via Skype, um, still good and yeah. still enjoyable. So yeah. And shout out to Paul Z, our listener for this uh, really cool topic. And, uh, we welcome feedback. Uh, yeah. and I, I, I don't expect Nathan, everything we said is going to necessarily, uh, uh, you know, be a hook, line and sinker received. So, yeah. uh, love feedback and, yeah. um, you know, Comments, questions, snide remarks, we'll take any of the above. Absolutely. And um, just to let people know, we, you know, we do have uh, a list of, of uh, questions that people have sent us over – excuse me, over the past several months. So we will be getting to those at some point. Um, yeah. Typically we try to hit those when it's uh, either just Greg and I or Steve, Greg and I, um, you know, make it a little more uh, in-house uh, familial uh, podcast as opposed to bringing in, you know, some guy like, you know, John frame to answer those questions. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, all right, dude, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. We just rocked the Casper. Rocked it. These go to 11.